Welcome to the Pub Meeple Podcast with your hosts, Gary, Shook, Just Brian, and Proper Brian. On episode 31, we talk about play this, not that. So grab a brew, join us at the pub, and let's talk board games. All right, guys. Well, uh, good to see you again, even if it's not in person. We are again on, on Zoom, so if we have any, uh, any audio issues, just please know it's due to that. Um, but still, it's good to see you guys. Uh, let's go around the table, as, as we always do. What kind of brews? Actually, Chuck, do you mind telling us about your brew? I thought it was, there was a neat connection there. Uh, well, I'm from this little town. Uh, I graduated high school from this little town called Sweetwater. So I saw the Sweetwater beer. I thought I'd try it out. It is called an Extra Pell L 420. And it's got like a highway symbol on it. It's, it's, it's okay. It's like a light IPA, you know, kind of a beginner. Um, not bad, but not great. All right, so kind of like, kind of like your your gateway game equivalent, like beer to IPAs, <laughs> right? Like, is it like there your, you uh, yeah? Is it, you're, <laughs> you, you're pretty far along that IPA path now. I mean, you you've got a few ranks, right? Yeah, I for an IPA for me to be really good, I need some sort of uh, like really strong floral hints to it, or some uh, even like fruit, like when it's got some sort of fruity flavor, it makes it really good. Okay, so you you need something something extra. Yeah. yeah. Not just the hops. I need more than the hops. I'm um, I'm drinking a, a beer that you've talked about a few times. Uh, just a Negro Modelo. Um, good good Mexican beer. I, we had I was telling the guys before we started recording that um, wife has a chili recipe that recalls for a, a dark Mexican beer, and so of course I went to a store that I kind of mm-hmm. knew didn't sell singles, so that I could go ahead and just say, hey, honey, I guess we have to get a whole six pack, and uh, oh, because darn. I do like this, yeah. Oh darn, you know. I have to take a hit for the team, Shame. so we can have that chili. So I got a good beer and some chili out of it. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> drinking the last one tonight, and it is indeed a good beer. It's my favorite of the Modelo uh, line. I haven't yeah. had all their stuff, but but it's the one my favorite so far. Yeah, yeah. What about yourself, just Brian? Well, you know, we're still in quarantine measure with our podcast set up here, and um, my habits haven't changed. If if I'm not out to impress anybody, I don't dress up. So. It's the it's the blue moon again. It's just it's just what's in the fridge. So hey man, there's nothing wrong with blue moon, man. That's good. That's good I'm not beer. no, and I'm not hanging my head. I'm not embarrassed about it. I love a wheat beer, and um, this and this one is like nine bucks, and it just I don't know. I try to have a constant supply of something like this in the house. So. Yeah, that's a good one to keep around. I just want to hear. I just want to hear Just Brian sing Blue Moon now. Oh. I can sing. We we people know we can sing. You and I have been on YouTube singing. We toured um our living rooms singing um i can sing i can sing it's not that kind of podcast though hey save it for the musical episode the musical episode the pub people yeah yeah that's right our hundredth episode yeah okay yeah now you've said it we'll put it way Um, out there though i mean that's like We'll see if we can get Lynn Manuel Miranda to write our script. <laughs> Go right, yeah. <laughs> right. So, what about yourself, Robert Brian? Well, I'm not drinking it yet because it's too hot. But I've got a tea that I'm drinking, and I've know I've talked about the Twining's English Breakfast before, but this is one uh, that has some lemon infused in it. So it's just a black tea with uh, a really good black tea with uh, with lemon, and uh, it's yummy. And you're not kidding yeah, about it being hot, by the way. Oh, it's hot. Like it's, the the cup the cup is like hurting my hand so I'm gonna I meant, have to wait to drink I meant that. like outside it's hot oh you mean that you mean that outside hot yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. where where we are in Texas uh it's 
It's incredibly hot right now. You don't want to go outside during the middle of the day. We've, we've had a few outdoor activities or like done some stuff in the yard over the past weekend. And it was like after like I got up there early in the morning Saturday and like after around, after around 930, I was like, I'm done. You know, like normally you can go much later. Yeah. So it's it's uh, it's crazy. Good. Good. Normally it would be great weather to call the friends and uh, get some board gaming in. What have you speaking of gaming? What have you guys been playing? Since I went last on the last bit, I'll go first here. As per my normal these days, it's been playing with my family and my kids. And uh, my two older ones, they're eight. They were like, what, what's a new game you could teach us, Dad? And I was like, well, I don't know. Let's go look. And so we were kind of looking through. And I saw Lords of Waterdeep sitting over there all lonely-like, like I hadn't played it in a while. And I was like, you know what? I think you guys could play this. And they were, they, so they got really excited about it. And the next evening we, we broke it out, taught it to them. They learned it really well. We, we played, we didn't get to finish the game cause we ran out of time, but they completely grasped it. They were doing great. Um, and they loved it. So, uh, Lords of Waterdeep and the other one that's always been a hit uh, with them is King of Tokyo. And in this game, this particular game, they were so proud of themselves. They lured me into Tokyo to kill me. Uh, so they, 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 <laughs> they will team up on dad action. Yeah. They, they had completely worked it out what they were going to do. And one of them was like, Oh, you should, you should take that, that hit that you got there, dad. I was like, okay, I'll hit you, you know? And they were like, Oh, I'm out now. See you. Now you can, now you have to come into Tokyo. And then they uh, proceeded to kill me on their next two turns. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm pretty proud of that. So good job. <laughs> nice, nice strategizing between the two of them. That's, that's awesome, man. Well, uh, Chuck, I think you said you got some gaming in on a, on like while visiting some family, right? Yeah. We went to my aunt's a few weekends ago, but before that we played some Machikoro, which I haven't played in a while. This is the first time I've involved my six-year-old playing that game. How was that? I had to, basically keep up with everything that was going on on his board and mine. So there was kind of a lot to keep up with. And I think that game, having to keep up with more than just your own, makes it a little bit more complicated than it should be. So he might have been a little too young, but he obviously can't read the cards. But he enjoyed the heck out of that game. Yeah, that's cool. He, he thought it was hilarious when he could roll something and steal from other people and everything. <laughs> like he just He wanted all the, the big cards that would, the red cards that would, take from his grandmother so that was he thought that was hilarious <laughs> that's really cool so i mean he grokked that at least uh, you got that that me- that mechanism down pretty good yeah he didn't quite get the combos which is kind of what you need to win um to get those engine building going on uh, but he still had a lot of fun he beat my daughter and my mom both times so <laughs> he did better than they did <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> my well, kids well, what- my kids love to take that cards in that game too. Like that's what they collect, uh, the red cards. So <laughs> that's that's their goal. Yeah, they're like, "Oh, I get to steal from you. This is fun for me." <laughs> well, how about you just, Brian? A lot of the same, you know, with um us not getting out much. We're still just kind of doing stuff with the kids and yeah, uh they wanted to get down uh one of the games we have that's got like the the electronic mechanisms and i just forgot about it and it's the uno flash version and um if you ever played uno flash you can't get it anymore but i have to say 
it's a good Uno game. It's it's almost a hot potato game for Uno, and it just has like electronic component that just makes uh, when you when you play a turn, you hit your button, and you know you don't never know whose turn's gonna be next. So if you skip somebody, you might skip yourself, <laughs> you know. And then there's an extra card that's um, kind of like a, a slapjack card. Okay. And when somebody plays it, the last person to slap their button, you know, is like the loser and have to pick up. But you get penalized anyway. So it's it's just Uno, but it has kind of like a randomizer element, and it's it's really fast, and it's just kind of silly. You know, yeah. it's kind of like the Spoons version of Uno, I guess. And then I guess after that, we just kind of started going down that track. I was kind of looking at the other games we had that were that were like uh, offshoot classics, and so we found a uh, Sorry Sliders, which is basically just shuffleboard <laughs> on cardboard. And uh, and so we were playing shuffleboard in the kitchen on cardboard with little rollers and and um, so it's just stuff like that. Uh, I thought about when when Proper Brian was talking about doing the Lords of Waterdeep. I've been trying to figure out how to manufacture that where I can get just the older kids or the younger kids, mm-hmm, you yeah. know, aren't gonna get want to get involved or get their feelings hurt. And I I haven't quite worked that one out. I think you need another parent to run interference for that or something. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough at the age that age you're at because. I, especially like with your son who's just a cool little kid but he um i could see like at that age he doesn't want to be left out right and so you know he doesn't and, and, the, and to be honest like as far as the gaming element goes the mechanics he gets a lot of it that's never been a problem it's the reading yeah. i mean he's not a real i mean he, he can read but he's not a really strong reader and so like the night we played clue um he would get so caught up in trying to read these cards and and it would kind of he would he would get confused and get lost because he's just too busy sounding out words and it's just five year old you know and and um uh, but he gets all the mechanics he's yeah. usually kind of our our rules lawyer when we play games and <laughs> so awesome. it's it's kind of cool to see that so we're we're right now we're kind of doing games that are just a little less um uh, dependent on language and stuff so wow, and then Gary what have you been doing I've got a few games in luckily you know I, I'm at, I'm in a good good stage with the kids my youngest being ten so I, I've got four kids is going to sound well well but i've got four kids between the ages of uh 15 and uh 10 so um i actually managed to snag a copy of gloomhaven jaws of the lion and actually my 10 year old is the one who's been consistent we've only played two games it's been kind of tough lately to, to just find the time in the evenings after work and, and we do dinner and put up the dishes and all that but she actually really really enjoys that game so she's she's probably like the only one that sticks through that campaign but we've, we've got a couple – in fact, I since we recorded last, I was looking, I actually played uh, Space Hulk with her, which which is all – she won too, which she was – she called her brother. He was visiting uh, their cousin, and uh, she called her brother on my phone and told him, hey, I beat Dad, and he was, like, pretty excited for her. Um, so I've just been playing that, and then actually – and this is kind of in line with, with, our, with our theme for the episode, but I picked up uh, Ride the Rails, which is the second game in the um, Capstone's uh, Iron Rails series. Uh, after Irish Gage, uh, spoiler alert: I still think Irish Gage is better. Um, it's it's a better game, but Ride the Rails is great, um, especially for that family weight. And in fact, as we're about to get into here in just a few minutes, our topic for the night being something we, we've been calling. I guess we've been talking about this, having this conversation for a while, but called uh, "Play This, Not That." And so, I think if you're looking for a very entry level game and you want to stick with that trains thing, but you don't want to do Ticket to Ride, Ride the Rails is a great entry. It's one page of rules takes under an hour to play. So, uh, but we can talk about, we'll probably talk about that more after I get a few more plays of it, but that's primarily what I've been playing. Um, just like you guys, man, just mainly just 
getting those games in with the kids on the weekends and whatnot as we have time. So, hey, I'm going to play the dummy real quick and ask uh, you to explain what uh, the Gloomhaven was it Jaws of the Lion? Is that what you oh, said? Oh, yeah. yeah tell, me, tell me, how's that different than Gloomhaven? All right. So, Gloomhaven, uh, there's a couple differences. Um, number one, Gloomhaven costs like $130, $140 MSRP. It's a box. You get this box, it's just full of tons of stuff. Um, multiple characters, Brian. Just Brian can kind of fill you in a little bit more because he actually has the box. We play it with his copy. But Draws of the Line is uh, right now it's Target exclusive, but it'll be at all your hobby game stores. I think it should be in August, August or September. But it um it's a kind of a condensed version of Gloomhaven. Instead of using map tiles like most of your dungeon crawlers do, it's got a, a spiral notebook that's got all the all the maps printed on there. There's actually two books. There's a second book that sometimes has additional rules for scenarios. And I, I believe it looks like it's got a way for you to put the two books together for a larger map. That's right. Um, and so it looks, looks like, so you can actually, you're not just bound by the, the constraints of the one book. So we haven't got to that point yet. We have got to where we had to crack it open to read some additional rules for a scenario. And there's only four characters. So unlike in the original Gloomhaven, you can't retire a character and then pick a new one. Uh, in this one, you pick four characters. But you really only, I, from what I understand, there's about 25 scenarios. The average player group will probably do, I think it was set online, what, 12 to 15, something like that. And so you're not really going to go and, and, and level up to like, you know, level nine like you would and, and say the traditional Gloomhaven. The cool thing is we can import these characters into a Gloomhaven campaign if we so choose. Um, so basically it's a little bit easier, like lower, lower barrier to entry, I guess, would you say? Proper Brian? Yeah. Um, uh, way to get into Gloomhaven. So I, it's it's been kind of tough to get a copy. I had to do um, the, I had to go into Target.com and do the um, in stock notification, and I just got a random randomly. I just got a notification that was in stock, and I had to log in real fast. Uh, two times I did that, and it was already sold out. And then so the third time was the charm, and I actually got a copy. So wow, yeah, it's it's been tough, but I think people are starting to find it more. I, I see more people posting about being able to find it. So hopefully, Target's responded. I wonder if Target has ever had any other board game that they've had that issue with. <laughs> you know? Probably not. And I think that's probably why, because uh, when I looked on the BGG forums the week it came out and uh, Isaac Childress of um, several fair games was telling gamers online, like, no, we have plenty. We printed plenty, but it was just Target's initial orders seem to not be high enough, you know? And so I think, I think the, the, the blame for that lies lies at Target's feet there. That the full fair knew they were going to sell a lot, and Target maybe just didn't stock what they could have. And so, but like like you said, they're not used to hobby games, right? I mean, they have some, but they're not used to that core hobby gamer who's going to go out and buy the fifty dollar game, you know? Right they, when it's an exclusive to that place. Yeah, right? I mean, they they're probably yeah. selling twenty five dollar games like crazy, but fifty dollar games probably not selling as much, at least in store. So I think that's probably where where the kind of backlog or the bottleneck's been. Well, good. Maybe Target will start carrying some additional games similar to that then. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see, as much as I want to see the the you know, you know friendly local game store flourish, um, and I really do want to see that, um, I do think, man, having having these games be out there in big box stores only helps bring people to the hobby, right? You pick up Gloomhaven, you go to, you find, you Google answers, you get onto BGG, and then maybe you go down the rabbit hole, right? Speaking of Target and mass market games, that actually kind of leads us in really well to our main topic for the evening, which is uh, what I guess I believe proper Brian, you're the one who coined the, the, the phrase 
And it, it's something we've been talking about, I want to say for maybe two years on, on our, our, our kind of private conversations, uh, play this, not that, right? And, right? and I guess the idea being, let's identify some kind of mass market games and, and then give people some, some suggestions for some hobby games that if you want to step up from that mass market game and you want to kind of get into the hobby or you want to try to help a friend, my friend likes whatever game, XYZ game, um, here's some suggestions that they might, you know, you might be able to try with them. And so we thought, you know, finally we decided to go ahead and make a, a podcast out of it. Uh, Proper Brian, do you want to, since you kind of had the idea, is there anything else you kind of want to talk about in, in, in regards to the, the play this, not that? Now I think you nailed it. This is just recommendations, right? Uh, like if, if someone likes Clue, you know, here's a game that you might suggest to play with them that they might enjoy also that might also kind of help them transition into hobby yeah. games, right? Yeah, and, and just so I think we need to say this before we, we get started, um, while we're not necessarily saying that the, the, the mass market games are bad, not bad games. I know people, you know, we all like to joke and wail on like say Monopoly or whatnot, but that game has a place. We've all played it in our childhood. A lot of people still really enjoy that game. So because we're saying like, play this, not that, we're not necessarily saying that that mass market game is, is a bad game. We're just saying, hey, if you want to take, go further down that hobby games rabbit hole, here are some suggestions. Right. Here's a good uh, path to go down. Yeah. And so now that we kind of got that out of the way, Chuck, what was what was your first game? I know you... you... Well, the first one that y'all had, we, we kind of randomly dealt these out. So yeah. the, the first one I got assigned was actually the easiest of them all. Like, oh. I mean, I saw it and I immediately knew the answer. <laughs> what was um, this? Hearts and Spades, obvious replacement for this is Diamonds. I mean, there, oh, there wow. is oh, wow, no yeah. other really replacement. Yeah. It, it still has your trick-taking at heart. It's very similar. So anybody that has played Hearts or Spades in the past, there's also another game called Clubs, but it, it's not quite as good as Diamonds. Um, it, it has the same concepts and that you don't have to teach them much, but it does have a little aspect to it where when you don't get a trick, you still get to do something. You get to take an action. And that kind of introduces you into the realm of hobby gaming where you get to take actions for things as opposed to just winning tricks only and getting points. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so it was just an obvious include. I don't really have anything else, um, like other suggestions, because, I mean, trick-taking is kind of – the other thing I try to keep in mind are games that you could um, find easily. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a good like, one. Like, I would love to put uh, David and Goliath on here, but it's – that's not a game that even I can find. So that's – Yep. It's, that's not one that I would suggest. But Diamonds is, is easily readable and uh, highly suggested. I have a confession. I've never played Diamonds. And what? I would actually really like to play it. And I feel like that's that's a, a box I have not checked. And you have spoken so highly about it uh, in past episodes. And I keep telling myself, you know, get Diamonds or, um, you know, you know, just tell Shuck you want to play Diamonds with him next time, you know. Because I understand it's pretty quick, right? Like next time we have a game night, if whenever we're able to do that, uh, we should be able to knock one of those out pretty quick. I've never played it. So I, now with, with what you just said, that I've got to play it now. Has anybody else uh, ever played Wizard? Yes. Okay. Wizard is a, a decent option as well. Yeah, I, I thought of that whenever you said Hearts and Spades. That's one of the first ones that popped into my head. So, Proper Brian, what, what, was, your, what was the first game that the number generator kind of spat out and gave you? 
I'll start with the last one. It spat out at me. Okay. Yeah. Just because it was my hardest one. And that's Jenga. Jenga is my game. And, oh, oh. and, and I was thinking about Jenga and it's, it's one of those that it, it's so pure in what it does. I've got a couple that I came up with and the first game that popped into my head. So Jenga is interesting in that you're, you're removing stuff from the tower, right? And so there's not a lot that do that. And, uh, but the game that I came up with that is still kind of a, uh, it's, it's a group stacking game and that's animal upon animal. I talk about this game all the time and I realized that it really is aimed at a, a, a kind of a children's market. So it's great there. Uh, I mean, kids can play Jenga too, right? Yeah. And so Animal Upon Animal is one that is really simple to get them going with, but there's some rule variations that are one specific rule variation I came up with that make that makes Animal Upon Animal really fun, uh, even just with a group of adults. Uh, and it's real simple. So in Animal Upon Animal, you're stacking these animals on top of this alligator piece. And whenever, and the way you do it is you roll a dice and it tells you how many you can uh, you can put onto the stack on your turn, right? Well, when you roll a the alligator symbol, uh, you can put one by the head or the tail of the alligator. And in normal animal upon animal, you can continue to do that. So it'll just, the, the base of it continues to get wider as the game goes on or it can. Uh, so the variation that I came up with was that can only be used twice. Basically, if you get that again, you just get to put one animal on. So the stack can't keep growing out it has to grow up and it makes it very challenging animal upon animal was the first thing i thought of and then i think we said earlier that we want to go with not just an exact you know this this game is just like this game but this game kind of has the soul a little bit of the soul of the other game so uh, another game i wanted to mention was santorini and it has good one it has more of a spatial you know movement aspect to it but you're still stacking and you're still trying to kind of force players into uh, doing things that they don't want to do. But I also, and I, I hate to, I don't want to take up too much more time, but when I was looking, when I was researching this, I came across an RPG system. Uh, I don't know if y'all have heard of this. It's called the Dread RPG system. And it no, uses, okay. it uses a Jenga tower. Yes. What? Yeah. The Jenga tower is part of the, is part of the tension it brings in. It's awesome. Instead of rolling really? dice. Yeah. So it kind of acts like as you're going through a mission, like you have your own personal Jenga or is it, I don't know if it's personal or if it's group. Uh, but uh, you're taking you're you're doing skill checks by taking blocks out of the Jenga tower, and so as the mission goes, you're you kind of simulates you're getting tired. This has been going on a long time. Everyone's kind of kind of getting to their their wits end, and so it just gets harder and harder to do skill checks. I thought that was really cool. That is really cool. I would if you if you don't mind, I, I have one other one to throw out there. Yes, um, I think people would enjoy this. Uh, it's called the Climbers uh capstone puts it out under their simply complex line it's a bit on the pricer end because it's all wooden components like jenga but it's really nice big thick chunky blocks it's around 40 dollars. i'm sure you can get a little less on on amazon or, or your online game store um but in the climbers you players play climbers climbing this this block tower but you create a a cube you all form a cube and then you slowly take pieces out of the cube and start building it vertically and then each player has um one blocking disc so you you can block one move by an opponent you can leave it behind to block someone use that once per game and you have one short ladder and one long ladder so you can use your short ladder to kind of scale something you normally wouldn't be able to 
and then the long ladder to do that as well. But other than that, it's just basically about taking pieces of your color. It's they're all color coded, and you have to be able to. So there's there's this, and it sounds more complicated than it is. It's part of their. It's called their simply complex line, and it's kind of one of those things where it, it takes a lot of the same elements of Jenga, but then it kind of adds another layer of strategy, but not too much. I mean, it's it's not like a huge jump in weight. I've played it with my kids. I played it with family. So um, it's definitely in that same weight category. But man, that, that game uh, is kind of like uh, it, it's a great it's a great Jenga alternative as well. And that was the climbers. Is that yeah? Right? It's called the climbers. If you're looking on the used market, I think it was originally called Neue Heimat. Don't ask me how to spell that. Um, <laughs> but it was like some kind of it was a German game, and I know I just know that's how it's pronounced. And then, uh, but so Capstone got the rights to it and renamed it. Thankfully, just the climbers. So, but yeah, apparently, um, apparently they didn't change anything rules wise. So if you're looking on the, on the used or to trade, uh, you might be able to find it under its original name. Cool. Thanks, man. Uh, the one that immediately came to mind, I thought you were going to mention was Rhino Hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was on my list. A, more I of a kid's c- game. Yep. I cut but, my uh, list to two and that, that made the, that got cut. Yep. And, uh, another one that's a little heavier, like harder version of animal upon animal. If anybody hasn't heard of it, it's called junk art. Uh, really looks, junk art. I've, I've never played it but it looks a lot more complicated it's I'm very similar though you're just down. stacking shapes on top of each other really colorful looking look at junk art now i'm looking at that one that was that was nice right, so uh yeah so here there's a game that we thought would be really hard and there's four games you know yep. that so if you like jenga and you're kind of looking to uh you know you get tired of playing jenga every time you go visit you know and and Sally or whatever, uh, you know, bring one of those ones next time. Well, how, how, how about you just, Brian? What it, uh, you want to talk about one of the games you were given? We'll start with Pictionary. Oh, wow. Pictionary. Um, yeah, brutal. This, one was, this one was not too easy. In fact, uh, I went, I, I, I didn't want to go analog. Obviously, there's a game out there called Telestrations. It would probably be the, the most analog version of Pictionary in, in, in uh, spirit, I guess. But I, I, honestly, I don't like Telestrations. I don't want to recommend it. To be honest, like it's, I don't, I don't think it even grasps what um, you're doing in Pictionary with kind of the team games and kind of the art aspect. I, I think it's just kind of a silly activity to do. It's more of an activity than a game. Yeah, yeah. and so, and so, instead of that, I, I ended up kind of going with the idea of party theme, where you have like a person in a team, basically a person playing for a team. And the first one that I wanted to recommend, well, the only one I recommend in that kind of spirit is Wavelength. Um, Ooh, think, yeah, yeah, I think that one. I mean, it's it's more of a word based game, but uh, it's fast enough where you're still switching people out like you would in Pictionary or like you would in like a um, uh, those games where you know somebody draws and everybody guesses what the drawing is, as opposed to something like um, Code Names where it goes on longer. So it's still kind of the word association game, but it's 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 got a little bit. I don't know, faster pace, more switch out. I think it'd make a great team based party game. In Wavelength, the players see a two. I guess, dual opposites of, of a type, right? Um, so it would be maybe something like hot and cold, right? And on the on the meter, hot's on the right, cold's on the left, and then you get a word. Um, or no, you don't get a word. You get a um, – you spin the dial randomly, and you get a vector for, you know, and that vector may be pointing, you know, slightly more towards cold but not really 90 degrees, and nobody knows that but you. And so now you give them a hint that that gets them to point the point the arrow right at where your vector where you're trying to get them to do. And all you have to work with is hot or cold. So you know, 
you can say McDonald's French fries and you can just hope that they get <laughs> somewhere like in the middle, you know, I mean, I don't know. And, and, <laughs> and then when you reveal it, depending on how close they got their little arrow depends on how many points you get. And so it's, um, it's, it's a real fast kind of team-based game like that. I thought it, it might make a good replacement for a Pictionary game if you're kind of getting worn out on Pictionary. And then the other one that I thought, if you if you want that art style, maybe you do want to play a game that's more geared towards creation and art. There's this game called Junk Art. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. But... <laughs> oh, man. It's actually on my list. It's actually on my list. Now, this game is less the team-based game in that regard, um, Junk Art. But what's cool about it is you are kind of building a structure and you're confined to do it in certain ways. So one round, you may we may all have to play... Um, just whatever random card we draw. But the next round, we may have to play just one certain color. And, and so every time you play, or there might be a round where we all build on the same thing. So almost like reverse Jenga. So we instead of us all building our own, there's a thing in the middle, and we all have to contribute. And so um, that game, again, just if, you, if you're kind of missing that art aspect, um, that that is uh, that kind of has an artistic theme. Uh, but it's still kind of, I don't know, I feel like it still fits in the party game category. And um, and when when I'm asking people if they want to play Pictionary or Junk Art, and I pull this thing out, it has all these cool pieces. I think people would be like, "Yeah, let's do that thing." So that's cool. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, those are good recommendations. Um, still, kind of somewhat keeping the theme of the spirit of like a party game that's got some some group element to it. First game I, I have to talk about is um, another one that I've never played. I'm a little embarrassed. I've never played Stratego. Oh, wow. Which I think, Proper Brian, you said you played that a ton as a kid, right? Yeah, I did. I remember spending the night at a friend's house, and that's all we played one night. Well, uh, man, so I had to go look up Stratego. I kind of knew a little bit about it, but so um, tell me if I'm wrong, but the, the breakdown on Stratego was found that it had a, a grid movement, uh, had hidden information, right? And there were some objectives, and you had different units with different powers, correct? Yep, you got it. All right, so even though I hadn't played Stratego, I went out there and, and what I couldn't find a, a direct analog that had seemed to have all those things uh, that was in more of kind of that lighter weight. So um, I looked, my first thought was Summoner Wars, strangely, just because it has a unit movement, you've got different powers from as of what I understood. In Stratego, you could have bombs that were kind of traps. Mm-hmm. I know some of Summoner Wars functions used to have traps, but I I believe some of their wars is out of print, best I can tell. So I think Crystal Clans is kind of like uh, almost like a spiritual successor to that game. So if you can't find some of their wars, I know Crystal Clans is available and that has a lot of those same elements. So that was my first recommendation. It's a little, little on the meteor side, but I don't think too far that your average, your average gamer couldn't go, couldn't grok it after a play or two. And then just because I kind of feel like I have to, because that Crystal Clans didn't address the whole hidden information aspect of it i would say if you if you really really love two-player uh war games with hidden information and i think just brian can back me up on this uh block war games if if you're able to i think uh julius caesar and uh, seki gahara the unification of japan all those are definitely a a, a little bit more to bite off you know there's a lot more to them if you're willing and you're and you love those war games that that would be Maybe not your next step, but maybe step B, right? Maybe the second, the next step after that. What do you think, uh, just Brian? Yeah, I agree. I think that that could go well. I'm trying to remember the name of um, the one. Oh, the British and the French. It's Quebec, 1759. Okay, 
So I need to look into that one. Uh, so you think that one's a, a probably a little bit, a little bit easier to get into? Yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna play real similar to Julius Caesar. Um, the map is much smaller. Okay. And uh, but it uses a lot of the same uh, mechanisms that you see in Julius Caesar. And uh, as far as kind of how the combat works and, and the block and the fog of war works and that kind of thing. So. And so just so we, I guess I should have been clear. Just in case hey, you've never heard of block war games, what it is is a war game where you have blocks with your unit strength or information marks your units, but they're facing you. And so your opponent sees a blank side. So much like in Stratego, you know what your what your um, what your units are. Your opponent doesn't. They're trying to guess what kind of strength does my opponent have on this section of the map or whatnot. And so um, that part is very um, very similar. I just think most of your block board games, like you mentioned, just Brian, is, are, are a little bit a little bit beefier. You know, a little, little you know chunkier game. I think that's a a really good representation of that kind of hidden information and movement just not in a grid but on a more of a map that's really yeah. cool yeah well shut um do you want to give us your second game i'll go to my next easiest which was operation i thought about this, this one for a little while but i remembered a game called viral do y'all remember this game i uh, know tell me about it uh it's a it's a dice tower essentials i have not played it either it's not it i don't know that it's like extremely readable but you can find it i did see on uh, amazon it is available Instead of operation where you're trying to like take things out of a body, you in this game are one of several strains of viruses trying to invade a body. And so, <laughs> oh wow! It's, Turn it on its head. But it's it's kind of cool because it has that same like you you have a board that has all these internal organs and you're moving around from organ to organ. It's an area control game, and so you're you're learning about area control. It's a very simple game. There's not a whole lot of things going on. It's something you could teach a younger kid to play. So maybe an upgrade. So once they're done with operation, you can move into something like this to teach them more of an area control, uh, you know, more of a modern game type of mechanism. Um, so that, that was the, I mean, the closest that I could find to operation. The only other thing were like dexterity games and none of them really seemed to fit, especially in like some sort of medical field or anything, if you wanted to stay within the, you know, the, the theme. Uh, my second recommendation is more of a thematic than it is anywhere close to mechanisms, but it is very easy to find. It's everywhere you go to Walmart target pandemic is. Oh, okay. Yep. It, it yeah. would be, I guess my suggest it's a little bit more complicated, obviously than viral would be. Um, but because it's a co-op, you can, uh, you know, you can help your kids through this. Um, again, it's a step up from operation. Um, but I think it's a, a great game that anybody should play. Yeah, I think it'd yeah. be kind of one of those, like, we've been training you to be a doctor since you were five, but now that you're seven, it's time to upgrade a pandemic. <laughs> well, and so yeah. pandemic, you're trying to save the world from all these viruses that are just exponentially gaining ground and traction. And I think uh, that we should figure out how to combine pandemic and viral where we see it on the macro and the micro level, and you got both good games going at the same time. It's a sideboard. And yeah. yeah, and we just, and then we got the block warfare and viral, like my, <laughs> my bacteria. And, oh, that's not viral. Um, yeah. My strain hey, is going against your strain. And that's actually a really good recommendation. And that one, that would be very obvious, but it, it's cooperative and it kind of keeps some of that theme. It's actually, that's a good recommendation. Well, uh, just Brian, man, what's your next one? 
Next on my list was Battleship. Oh, okay. But I bet you probably are, are going to pick it up. I no, I this was really hard for me, and oh. uh, this is another one I had to channel spirit animals. So, um, <laughs> you guys may have better recommendations than mine. So, so please uh, feel free. Um, the first place my my brain went, and and it's so I, I looked at two player games for this one, uh, specifically two player games, and the first one is. Uh, very has very little in common with Battleship other than they are both on a grid, right? But there's nothing else. There's no hidden information. But anyway, it's, I'll get to it. It's patchwork. Okay. And, uh, just as a, and mainly because of the simplicity of it, the age group works mm, yeah. well. So I played patchwork with my kids, with my, my seven-year-old. Um, she gets it. It's, it's language independent. And so if, if we're looking at kind of an XY, you know, Cartesian grid and we want to, we we just are jonesing for some some gridage and they said hey let's let's do the battleship i would say no let's do patchwork um i want some gridage dad no hey, right that's right patchwork. sometimes sometimes my kids you know they're pretty nerdy um so in patchwork yeah, i don't know in patchwork <laughs> it is very language independent and it's yeah. more of a tetris style game where you're trying to fit pieces onto your board rather than you know find the hidden information on the other board so it's it's again I was really stretching for this one. Um, the other one, though, that I, f- I felt also a two-player game that I felt was more in line with the hidden uh, hidden objectives and, and maybe some decision-making, but, but equal decision-making that we both have available to us was Hanamakoji. Mm. And what's okay. what's again, it's another two-player game. It is language-independent as well. Uh, my daughter can play it also however this one's a little bit more difficult because the strategy is a little bit heavier and in this one we have four actions each every round we do have cards in our hand that the other player doesn't know we have that we play that we're we're kind of giving out as we go and um but the actions are things such as uh, the i i cut you choose kind of actions that happen uh the card you slide under um each one of us gets kind of burn a hidden card each round but we have the same decisions every round it's two player both a stretch maybe but i would rather play them and i think i can recommend them instead of this game have you guys played either captain sonar or sonar no but i'm familiar with them okay so they're not two player but um i've never played captain sonar that that plays more players we played Sonar with some couple friends that uh, Maria and I, my wife and I did. So in that game, you are you play with another player, and you're a team. And so one of you is like the captain, and one of you, I want to say, I'm, I'm going to get this wrong, but basically you have two roles on the ship. And so one of you is, is responsible for certain decisions, and the other is responsible for other decisions. And there's a screen between you. And it's very much uh, analog- analogous to Battleship in that you are calling out coordinates and trying to shoot their, the other team's ship. Mm. But you have, you know where, I believe you know roughly where you, where you, no, you don't know where each other starts, but through using your sonar and whatnot, you discover kind of what quadrant of the board they're in, but you never know like exactly where they are. For example, um, Maria was plotting out, I was calling the, the orders. And as we, as we continue going around the map, our side of the map, and using our sonar and whatnot, we get an idea, okay, they're in this quadrant, right? And then so we got to narrow it down. And there's certain things, if they surface, uh, which I believe reset some of your actions, then we know exactly where they are. So you wait till they surface, and then you know, okay, I know roughly where they are. And I think they went south three spaces, and then you, get a, you score a hit, right? So it is very much like a multiplayer battleship. 
and I would say that's a if you want to stick with that naval naval warfare theme, that's that's a good recommendation, I think. And it's it's not too hard. You can get sonar. Sonar is the easier version, I believe, from what I can what I from what I've seen online. And you can get that at Target, like for twenty bucks, dude. So it's it's a good it's good. Uh, I think it's a good one. Uh, and I guess I'll go. I'll kind of go on my next one. Um, I had another one that was a classic. I remember playing this with a with a, one of my friends over and over as a child. Uh, guess who? So at first I was like kind of racking my brain, like, what, what are you gonna guess who? You know, I mean, nothing uses that very same like kind of cool uh, mechanic where you've got the you put all the people all the faces up. And you ask your friend, does your person have a mustache? Oh, no. Then you flip all the ones that don't have a mustache down on your side, and you're trying to guess the name of the, the person, they, the card they've drawn. But then I got to thinking, um, you know, really, what, what's that game about? It's about hidden info. It's about there's strongly a strong deduction element, and there's a, some interaction between the players. You're allowed to either give or ask information. And so that kind of led me to one, I think, and hopefully you guys will agree with me here, Dixit. Kind of like Dixit, you give out a clue and, and everyone else is trying to guess which card was yours. Not quite the same, but it, it kind of follows on that same path of limited information and using deduction, using what you know about that person or or um, kind of keying in on certain things in that clue that maybe weren't quite so obvious. And then the next one, Mysterium, would be kind of like maybe a slight step up from Dixit. I actually had both and I sold Mysterium. I know some people really, really love it. For me, Dixit just just hits the perfect spot. I know Shuck and I have talked about that before. Where it's great for families, it's great for non-gamers. Uh, Dixit's great, so I, I kept it for that reason. Uh, and then a third one that would be kind of like a little bit more of a deeper dive, not much, but Deception Murder in Hong Kong because there's limited information, and that's more of where the, the there's a group of people, and one to two of them know quite a bit of information or all the information really. And uh, the rest of them are trying to ask questions and, and guess. But so my, my um, I thought all three of those were kind of in the in the spirit of of guess you because otherwise nothing else really uses that, that same uh, mechanism of having a board and you're flipping flipping faces down, right? What would you What would you guys say to code names is a is a good one for that? It's kind of like the you're you're getting clues, you're giving clues. Oh man, on a on a grid of, of uh, that's probably a better better pick, and I should have picked it. Code names. Oh, it was right. It's, it's so such a popular game. I would say even coups would fit a little better than something like Deception, Murder in Hong Kong. I think because you, uh, you do have limited information. You're giving information, even though it may be lying. So if you really like the deduction element, which I guess is all the guess who is really, yeah, coup, man. Oh, I'm out, and I love coup. Why did I not think of coup? Oh. I was thinking coup because because then you're like guess who. Oh, it's the, <laughs> it's the assassin. That's who. <laughs> does, does your person kill people? <laughs> yes, and you're dead. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Hey, hey, that's a good pick. That's a really great pick. So, proper Brian, uh, man, what's what's your what's what's another one from your list? So the next one on my list is backgammon, a oh, really? very old classic. You guys got all the hard ones. I have it's, played uh, a lot of this game. Yeah, I have too. Really? It's, one of, it's one of my wife's favorite games to play. Uh, she likes the abstract game, and uh, she really enjoys backgammon a lot. So uh, I had a couple that jumped out to me like really quick. So this one wasn't too hard for me. Uh, the first one I want to mention is Hive. 
I think Hive would be a really good step away from backgammon. And I mean, you still have your tile movement. This is more of in the in the spirit of you know, it's not a you know the same thing where you're uh, rolling dice and moving. But Hive, I think, would be a different game to play. If someone said, "Hey, I want to play backgammon," you're like, "Hey, let's try Hive instead." It's it's got uh, you know these chunky pieces that are very tactile that someone playing backgammon might enjoy also. Can I say something about that too? Just, just what you just mentioned, because I think it's a fantastic point is that when you're, especially whenever you're talking with someone who prefers a game and you're trying to convince them, let's play this other game instead. You'll like it if you like that. Sometimes it has less to do with mechanics. Like us gamers want to think it has to do and their buy-in comes with like, as you said, they see these tiles they're familiar with, right? They see Mm -hmm. something that, that looks like something else that they know. And then that, that, that barrier of entry is just kind of weakened a bit and that, you know, that hurdle you have to jump to get their buy-in is, is a little bit better. So I just kind of want to interject that real quick. Cause I think that happens with so many times we say, let's play this game. And you see that look of dread on their face, Yeah. but then you show them something familiar. You show them a deck of cards with colors and numbers on it. And they're like, Oh, I've played games with colors and numbers before. So, yeah. Right. So I think that's, I think that's a great, I can see the similarities too, because in backgammon you're moving around a board, and, yeah. and typically in hive you're kind of moving around that board as opposed to chess where yeah. you're going back and forth. Right, right, right. Exactly. I see that similarity a lot. It's a good one. Uh, my other pick for it was uh, one of my favorite abstracts. Now it's tack. It's more of a board-based movement. Obviously, not just like backgammon, but it still has the tiles moving around a board placement, trying to block your opponent trying to set up spots for you to take advantage of. That game is one of those that like, it's hard to find something that's like it exactly, but uh, yeah. the spirit of it, I think both tack and hive kind of, kind of fill that, that, that little uh, spot. We need to get, we need to get a um, tack in a briefcase. Ooh, that way it's like backgammon. That'd be awesome. <laughs> hey, hey man. I think more games need to come in briefcases. I'm just saying, like that would be awesome if, like, can it be like, can it be like bag gammon? Because usually <laughs> nice. it's carried in a bag. Oh, yeah. oh. Well, bag. Well, well uh, Chuck, what's what's your uh, what's your third one? Oh, my uh, third one. Uh, okay, so this is the one I had trouble with. Uh, my third one was Rummy, and here's my problem with Rummy. So there there are two main mechanisms with Rummy, and and one is melding which really isn't much of a thing outside of old, like 52 card deck kind of games. Uh, The other one is set collection. And in the modern board gaming world, there is a ton of set collection games. There are all different kinds. Um, You could just, you know, venture into different realms of of set collection. if we're going easy, we're thinking, you know, with a family and someone that wants to you just want to bring in something that's new, uh, we can look at something like Sushi Go. It, it's a very similar thing where you're kind of com- combining different things. The artwork's very fun. Uh, you can bring kids into it. Probably even, even easier for kids to play than Rummy would be just because it's, it's so obvious what you're trying to collect. Um, but it also has that drafting element. So you can bring just one little extra thing in, in a very simple game. And of course, my obvious upgrade from that would be Century Golem because I love Century Golem. Uh, but very similar where you're trying to collect different things and, and even create an engine at that point. Sadly, I, I haven't played Century Golem, but it, it's pretty simple to get into, right? Like it's, the, yeah, it's the barrier of entry pretty low to that one? I, I would say so. Um, okay. 
it's probably not as readily available as sushi go like you could pick up sushi go for 10 bucks at target walmart i mean it's yeah, easy to find but, I mean, if, you, if you're looking to if you're tired of playing rummy and you're like hey man i want something else with some set collection. so uh, another thing like if you want to go more into the engine building route uh, is a very popular game again very easy to find is splendor i think okay. would be a, a really good option uh, it's got really nice chunky gem bits like poker chips that you can play with and so you're trying to collect different gems so that you can buy more things it's not really melding per se but it, it can give you a very similar feel i think as old school rummy and then the other one i had on my list is kind of way out there but another game that goes really well with set collection is worker placement and i think Waterdeep is obviously one of the better of oh. those options it's still pretty easy to find oh, and yeah. so the i'm sure there's a ton of other games um several that came to my mind that just weren't either easy to find or maybe not as as good of an entry to barrier type anytime we can get someone to play lords of Waterdeep, i consider <laughs> that a win right i mean if we can get you into lords of Waterdeep, i think we've done something by the end of the, you know hey we've, we've done something good for you man and that's that was a tough one i feel like uh, i feel like that one may have been the hardest one to find uh an analog to well um well just brian do you, do you have uh do you have one more for us yeah, so the next game I was assigned was um, instead of playing Waterdeep, we should. I'm just kidding. Oh. That wasn't. <laughs> See now, them fighting words here. Oh yeah, right now. Um, so the next one I was assigned was I think that I think somebody threw me a bone here. Um, I had chess and checkers, right? Which I think you should just play chess and checkers personally. Yeah, I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with fantastic games. I still play. Actually, those as far as um, game, as far as classic games, I still play a ton of chess and checkers. Um, I, I love abstract strategy, and I'm teaching my girls chess right now. Of course, checkers is always our first game, and and then even like Chinese checkers, like we we play, and that's not a racist thing to say, by the way. We went to China, and that's all those kids played. No joke was Chinese. I was like, we call this is Chinese checkers, and they're like, no, this is just checkers, you know, because they're from China. Anyway, um, I diverge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. So what's your recommendation? Very helpful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a, little, a little culture lesson for you. factoid there. Yeah. All right. Um, so if, if, you, if chess is a little daunting, then Onitama is kind Good of pick. right now. Yes. Right now, that's the, that's the obvious choice right now. It's, the, it's, it's accessible. It's a hobby game by Arcane Wonders. Uh, great production. And uh, it's, it is one that you, you don't really even have to learn to play the same way you would learn to play chess. The idea is you, the, the, all the pieces on your side have an option of moving one of two ways. And those ways change every round, or at least one of those ways does. And you have a card that just basically says, so I have a card that shows where a piece starts, and then it shows maybe three or four options of where it can land. And then I have a second card that does the same thing. And so I can pick one of those cards to play. I choose a piece on the board, one of five pieces. So it's, it's, not, eight, it's not 16 pieces like chess. One of five pieces to play. And, uh, and then I just follow the grid movement on my card. And then I pass that card to um, a place, kind of a holding place where my opponent will get it next round. And that's what's kind of cool about this is my opponent and I are trading cards. So if I play a card that's really strong, my opponent's going to have it after his next turn. 
and of course he's feeding yeah. me cards as well. That interplay is probably the best part of that game. So yeah, and and what's great is if you're if you're learning it for the first time, you, there's only far f- farf. There's only five <laughs> cards, which farf five cards. cards? Yeah, that's right. uh, that's farf. Our, <laughs> there's only farf cards. There's only five <laughs> cards at play in the game, and so you see those cards over and over and over in your first game. So that makes that makes it just easier to learn the game. And the thing about the replayability is you're going to draw a new set of five cards every time. So right. it's going to be multiple games before you actually cycle through all of those. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of replayability in, in a pretty reasonable uh, box, reasonably priced box, I believe. I think so. I think especially yeah. for what you're getting. Um, and then kind of as an upgrade to chess. So that's kind of a downgrade from chess, but, but, a, but a very good one. Um, upgrading from checkers because checkers can get a little, a little samey and a little, little um, boring over time is a newer game called Shobu. And I think show. Oh, really? Is, yeah, talk about um, this. Yeah, this is a this is a really great game. And what you have is you have four boards, and the two boards there, there's two in front of me, two in front of my opponent. But we play on all four. In fact, all four boards start uh, identical, and there each board is a four by four grid. And uh, on each four by four grid, I have stones of my color facing me. So right. So if I have four boards with four stones, that's sixteen stones of mine 16 of my opponents okay you get the idea right yeah. and on these on these small four boards the ones on my left might be a dark color and the ones on the right might be a light color so i have a dark and a light in front of me my opponent has a dark and light in front of them all right so the way this game works is if i play i have to play on one of my two boards first that are closest to me and um and i and i slide one of my stones uh one or two spaces or so and then what I have to do is on another board, I have to match that slide with one of my stones. And it has to be legal moves both times. And the object of the game is to push your opponent's stones, all four of opponent's stones, off of one of the four boards. But you're constantly doing things on one board so you can manipulate a second board. Okay, wow. And so there's this, there's this interplay of... I want to push this stone on my board, but I know he'll push one on his board that'll that'll leave this board open. So you're having to kind of manage all four boards at the same time. Wow. Oh my gosh. Um, but the object is only to push all the stones off of one of the four boards. Oh. So uh so it's, it's 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 kind of a it's kind of a really interesting game. The rules are very simple as far as how you move and what you push. They're very simple moves. All the stones move the same way. What makes that game kind of complex and kind of an upgrade from checkers is you're just you just have more to manage. So it's one that I've really wanted to try. Uh we've we've talked about it some and it's one that caught my eye for sure. Okay. Shogu. All right. Yeah, I'm looking into this one. My last game is Life, which you know I, I used to play Life as a kid, and it and Monopoly, at least in my mind, are kind of your quintessential um, roll and move games. And so I, I had two kind of thoughts on this. If you wanted to stick with a roll and move me- mechanic, I've heard Talisman is good, which is kind of like a, it's in the War- Warhammer universe. I think it's um, it's a roll and move, but you have like powers that modify your moves or whatnot. They actually have a Batman version of this, just Brian. <laughs> they have Batman Talisman. And so I thought, hey, look, if you're wanting the roll and move, that's that's one way. What I kind of ultimately decided to go with is more keeping the theme of life simulator kind of games. And sadly, these are both games I've never played, but I'm interested, in, especially in this first one. And you've expressed some interest in this, Proper Brian, The Pursuit of Happiness. Yep. Yes. Uh, so yep. that one kind of, that, that one immediately jumped out to me when I saw life. I was like, okay, Pursuit of Happiness. I've heard you talk about it. And I've heard uh, like 
Jamie on the Secret Cabal really loves this game. And it uses worker placement, I believe, right? It just seems like a very similar theme. You're basically trying to plot out the life of your character and try to, I guess, ultimately achieve happiness. Uh, the most happiness points, I guess, are, are you know, there's, there's a metric for that. I'm trying to remember how it works. But yeah, so that was my first thought. And then I just thought, I thought okay, like, let me just kind of look at some more in case there's some of that are, are better. And I saw, actually, I, I was doing some Google searches, just trying to get some ideas. And someone threw out CV. I've never tried CV. Have any of you guys hmm. played that one? Uh, apparently, no. uh, you know, like, so your CV being your resume, apparently it uses a Yahtzee style dice rolling mechanic. And so you got a little bit of push your luck, but you're trying to build your ultimate, I guess, kind of life resume. And that sounded kind of fun. And it, and it seems like it may be even lighter. And so I, I, I thought maybe that would, either one of those would be ones you could look up. Uh, unless you're just hardcore, just love uh, rolling, rolling move. Which case, um, you know, I don't know. If there's a whole lot we can do. I think I think something like uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna, I think Roll and Move has made some small steps. Yeah. And something like Formula Day. Oh, I didn't even think of Roll and Move. Which is strictly Roll and Move, nothing else. But it oh. gives you some decisions to make about what you're gonna roll, right? Okay. Or Rallyman so, GT, kind of right. in that same same Just thing. Something, well, I mean, game. once you kind of get into the racing games, a lot of ways, um, Roll and Rights. If you get away from the theme, I mean, this could go for Monopoly too. Any kind of any kind of game where you're shoehorned into it, whatever the die is going to roll, what we want to make is decisions around that die roll. You make a good point. If you're looking just for the, to have the dice and then have a small decision to make, um, you know, th- there's those as well. Well, uh, proper Ryan, man, what's the last one on your list? The last one on my list was the one that I had problems cutting down to just two. Uh, so it's it's Monopoly. Oh man. Uh, um, yeah, how do you break this one down? The the first game is kind of a a first step game into the hobby that I'd recommend is for sale. Oh, good game. So it's got, I mean, you're buying properties and then you're selling them, trying oh. to make a profit. It doesn't take a lot of time. It's, it's got an auction element to it. And so it, it has a lot of the things that Monopoly has and it just way streamlined. There's obviously no dice movement around a board until someone goes bankrupt kind of thing. It's just you're... You're auctioning off properties, buying them, and then trying to sell them for the most you can in an auction style thing. I think the only thing that doesn't really work in for sale with Monopoly is the fact that you could probably get two for sale games or maybe three in a night. <laughs> in you're, a only get, Monopoly? you're only going to get like three quarters of Monopoly game in. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it doesn't make you hate your grandma. <laughs> but if someone likes like that, the property uh, aspect of Monopoly and the auction aspect, then uh, the for sale would be a great... Uh, I th- Every time I play for sale, I want to play it again right away. Like yeah. I want to do another round because it's so short, and I feel like yeah, oh, I could have done better. And oh, I remember that now. Let me I, let me play that again real quick. Only played a couple times, and it was it was with you. And uh, I I liked that game a lot. It was it was very cool. Yeah, game. that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, so my second one is this is probably probably my favorite recommendation for a uh, going from a mass market kind of game uh, to, a hobby, it, to a hobby. I hope game. I have it. I hope I, I know it. You ready? Yes. It's yes. it's a uh, uh, Lords of Vegas. Yes. There okay. it is. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> to me, this is like the the uh, kind of quintessential hobby well property played, uh, property management game with dice rolling and everything else that kind of happens in Monopoly, but in a uh, a way a much more interesting way. <laughs> so, We've been saying that for years. We've been saying Lords of Vegas is what Monopoly should have been. Right. So you're, you're managing hotel properties on the Vegas strip, upgrading them, trying to kind of push people. You're, you're competing with each other over these properties, trying to push people out of one uh, type of property and 
uh, it's just it's super fun you can go and gamble at your opponent's uh casino so somatic man. <laughs> uh, such a good game yeah incredible game um yeah. I, it's kind of sad i don't think i hear about it as often as i, I feel like it should be talked well, about but i had a recent uh kickstarter with like mm-hmm. a um an expansion i know we talked about it i don't think did any of us back that no i, I didn't i did not I, the price was a little high for for what it is and that's not to for at least for me that's not to downplay uh lords of vegas i've loved every time i played it it's got to take that stuff it's got the property ownership um it's it's i think it's good it's the game monopoly wishes it could be yeah uh, it's the perfect yeah. analog to a hobby game for monopoly that's uh that's two james Ernest games on your list proper brian it is yeah tack and this tack and uh lords of vegas really I do have another suggestion for that yeah. that could fit in Monopoly realm. And it is an older game, but I think Catan could be an upgrade mm-hmm. to Monopoly yep. for sure. It has trading. It has the die rolls. That's it's a really good it's one. similar enough that I think it could work. It was on my extended list. It um, is considered an entry in a lot of ways. you know. Yeah. So, yeah. I thought that uh, just to mention a couple, I guess we can just, I'm not going to talk about these, but Acquire would be a good yeah, one. Oh, great one. Uh, Machi Koro would be, might be a good one. Yeah, um, for a simpler one. There's there's just a lot to keep up with in Machikoro. That's the only thing yeah. that could be a problem. When when I saw it, I knew. Of course, we knew when we created a list like this, you couldn't do it without Monopoly being a classic game, as classic as it is. And I remember trying to come up with like some good economic games. And I, number one, I feel bad that I, my first thought wasn't Lords of Vegas, but I was struggling because a lot of the economic games that we play are medium to heavyweight. Mm-hmm. And so trying to come up with a lighter, a little easier, like gentler step up, you know, we could, we could rattle off. I think all of us could probably rattle off a, a, a couple of economic games or games with, with good economies in them that we like, but it's like coming up with something that isn't going to scare your average monopoly gamer off. And I think Lords of Vegas could do it for sure. You know, uh, uh, for sale could do it. You know? So uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you guys threw out some good ones. I'm actually definitely going to look into Shobu. And then I'm also going to look up Junk Art. I've heard of Junk Art, never seen it. Hey, so, Gary, uh, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't try to shoehorn in Agricola into, you know, another a life alternative. You know, was, like, it, you're having a hard life on he's the saving that for He's saving that for episode two when we oh, do yeah, yeah, round yeah, okay. two <laughs> of Play This, <laughs> Not That. Spoiler alert, we, we might we might have a round two. And uh, I don't know I know when we're going to do it. We may do it next month. We may save that. I feel like we need to because I know there's some some really kind of popular games out there that we didn't cover this time. Well, you, you you spoiled Clue at the very beginning and we didn't even talk about it. So there has to be an episode two. Yeah, there has to, yeah, there has to be an episode two. <laughs> uh, at which point I am going to recommend Les Boas as a, reg, as a, as a step up from something. That's right. Um, uh, that's what Shuck was teasing me in, the, in our, our Slack conversation. That, that That's probably one of my recommendations. So I'm going to have to try to find a way to, to make that work. But yeah, no, I mean, I thought this is a really interesting conversation. I hope it's helpful. You know, I think that's the reason why we created the, the idea, right? Is is to have some sort of of list that where we're able to tell people, hey, like if if you like these games, or if your friends or family like these games, and you're kind of tired of playing, say Life, or you're tired of playing um, checkers with with your cousin, right? Maybe throw some of these other ones out, or you know, just kind of a, a, a step into maybe more of a hobby game. And so, man, you guys threw out some really good ones. I'm, I'm definitely have some research on my own to do. Well, guys, thanks again for, for another episode. I, man, I always enjoy our conversations. And uh, to our listeners, uh, thank you. Uh, hopefully uh, you found this kind of informative. And if you guys, uh, well, I guess we'll, we'll see you guys next episode.
Thanks for listening to the Bub Meeple Podcast. If you enjoyed our content, like and subscribe. Share with your friends. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter at pubmeeple.com. Our website, www.bubmeeple.com. Home to the board game ranking engine. And always remember, support your local breweries. Just Brian, can you eat me?